0: She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 201, Creating a Business, Doing What You Love with Kendra Peterson.
1: Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, a collective of interviews with top female entrepreneurs from around the globe who have done it their way. These women are disruptors, savvy, courageous, confident, innovative, decisive, unconventional, and humble. Our ladies have proven business models, have taken risks, and have failed only for success to follow. Join us as they share their stories, behaviors, habits, mindset, thought processes, and what it is like to be a woman who means business. And now, here's your host, Amanda Bolin.
0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm super jazzed. We are, when this podcast airs, we are one day away from kicking off She Did Her Way Summit with our welcome reception tomorrow on Friday. I'm just super jazzed for everyone who is attending. And then we have our full one-day hands-on conference summit happening on Saturday, and I'm just over the moon and absolutely humbled by everyone who is coming to the event and for all the speakers and the coaches for sharing their knowledge and everything that they know. I'm super excited. And also, too, I know that there are some of you who are out there that wanted to make it in person, but for some reason, maybe you couldn't get into town all the way to Chicago traveling. Maybe you have kids at home. And so because of that, we have I have decided that we're going to do a virtual edition. And so that you can access and snag your ticket by heading to Podcast.com forward slash summit. And we're doing pre-sales right now, just this week only up until... Friday at 11.59 p.m. And then we'll do regular tickets starting on Saturday, but you get to access all the goodness of the speakers and the content that they are delivering in person the Saturday. So make sure you head on over there and check it out. If you were thinking about attending but weren't sure or couldn't make it at that time, you can still access it virtually. So now for today's podcast episode, I got to sit down with Kendra Peterson, who is the founder of Drizzle Kitchen, and it is a boutique, private chef-based business in the city of Chicago that provides healthy and clean, customized meals for families who have food allergies or special dietary needs. And so Kendra's clients range from busy families, patients out of surgery, or people with life-threatening allergies. She also works with really high-end clients in Chicago and has been able to expand her business through networking opportunities, but also just running her business as a business owner. So in this podcast episode, we talk about see how to see the multiple ways your service can help your clientele, learn to recognize signs leading you down a certain career path, know how to build an educated and passionate team for your business in order to scale, along with being able to figure out rates for your services in time. So talking about how to pricing how to price for profits as Well, amongst other things in this podcast episode, I know that you guys will absolutely love Kendra. She is a ball of energy and is always happy and like running around like the Energizer Bunny. And she just has a really fantastic story to share. Okay. We have the lovely Kendra Peterson, who is the founder of Drizzle Kitchen. And Kendra and I first met at one of the what was it? The the female entrepreneurship dinner that Sarah wants has put that put on. And Kendra was the chef of the evening. Her food is delicious. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to bring her on the show. So Kendra, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, tell us what it is in your own words, what it is that you do.
2: So I have a boutique private chef Business, And we provide healthy, clean meals for families that have food allergies or any specific dietary need, whether they just had surgery and they want to cleanse their body of the anesthesia using food or they have some severe life-threatening allergies and they just need someone to make safe food that the whole family can eat together. Kind of runs the gamut. It's all completely customized, but based in yummy, healthy allergy adaptable food.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yes, and you definitely create yummy food. I will say that. I think <laughs> you gave those collagen chocolate fudge things out. I yes. ate it the entire I ate the entire thing the next day. I was like, well, who's gonna get <laughs> eaten anyway? Might as well do it now, but we'll tell <laughs> us like, your bones, yeah, We'll walk us through then, like how you got to providing these services and just the whole journey of that. And then I want to spend time in the interview talking about obviously your journey and then really how did you come to find that these were the services that you provided? How do you find your clients? And then also share some things about the actual food itself and how we can be nutritious, especially as entrepreneurs and being able to operate at our like highest capacity. So Absolutely. Okay. So tell us how you got started and what that looks like. Okay. So
2: I've been cooking my whole life. When I was young, I was always in the kitchen with my mom. She was an incredible cook. And I would make super fancy things out of Julia Child's book. And she made these beautiful tablescapes for the holidays. And she actually passed away when I was eight. So it was just me and my dad. And I was like, I can't eat grilled chicken the rest of my life. So I really started cooking. And I made a ton of different vegetable dishes, and I would pour through my mom's cookbooks and just try to make some fun things for me and my dad after that. And when I became a teenager, I became a vegetarian, to which nobody knew what to feed me at that time. You know, that was was not just yesterday.
0: Um, it, was <laughs> it was a few years ago. What made and you it, decide to go vegetarian? I,
2: You know, I because I had started cooking so much, uh, I think it was when I was 12. I don't know. I was like looking at a chicken breast and I was going to cook it. And I'm like, I just, that I, doesn't look good. I, I started relating it to my own body mm. and that freaked me out. So, um, oh my goodness. I'm sorry about that noise. Oh, that um, <laughs> life of an entrepreneur, always multitasking. Um, so I became a vegetarian and just started cooking a ton more. And my dad was really smart. And he said, if you want to do this diet, then we're going to take you to the doctor, talk about healthy eating to make sure you're getting your nutrients and we're going to get you some vegetarian cookbooks. Mm. And that kind of started my obsession with food. And I was like eating tofu cheese and, you know, making like strawberry soup and all this crazy stuff where my girlfriends were having, you know, pizza puffs and like cocoa puffs for breakfast. Mm. So in high school I kept cooking more and I was really really active in sports and I started getting much more into the healthy food and my friends would come over after school. I would make like hand rolled pasta and fresh pomodoro sauce and it just became this thing that I I loved. It was fun because all my friends were happy and fun and excited about the food and I was having fun and I was excited about the food so it just it seemed like a really great way to enjoy Enjoy meals and enjoy time with your friends and I went to college for food science and nutrition because I knew I could always go to culinary school later and when I graduated school I'd already had enough culinary background from college that I didn't really feel like I needed to go to culinary school and plus I didn't really want to be a restaurant chef and at that time there wasn't really another option for people who cooked so I I kind of dabbled in with Williams Sonoma. I helped them open some stores. I did some cooking classes for them, and then I um I I just started as I was doing the cooking classes. I think people asked if I would cook for them, and I was like, oh I don't know, you know I don't know, I don't really do that. I'm really busy with Williams Sonoma. And then I was doing my sister's kids' birthday parties, and one of her friends was like, I really need. Someone to cook at my house. You make such great food. I'm gonna hire you. Mm. And I was like, "And when was
0: okay. this? At what like what year was <laughs> like, this?" That sounds good. Uh,
2: this was thirteen years ago. Okay, twelve years ago. 12. yeah. And so I just started cooking healthy for her. She had like seven kids you know, lived in the suburbs. I think her husband was in finance, so he wasn't really home that often. And she was just juggling all of this and didn't know how to juggle the food portion. And I was like, that sounds great. Like, I love to do this. I'd be happy to feed your family healthy food. And, and it just kind of stemmed from there. So I started talking to people about, Hey, if you ever need someone to do food for you, Hey, if you need someone to do food for you. And so very slowly it started trickling like into my head that this might be something I could actually do, but I didn't know how to get there. Mm. So I, Ended up um, quitting full-time at Williams-Sonoma, just dropping down to part-time, and I went to work at the Chopping Block, which is a cooking school in downtown Chicago. And I just soaked up every bit of information the chef instructors. I mean, there was such serious talent there. Like, there were Alinea alums and Charlie Trotter alums, and that's just kind of where they went when they got burnt out. So I would quiz them on everything in the kitchen and food-related and cooking-related. And that's part of when my, my business took off because I think I gained more confidence in, in the kitchen. And then I also became more vocal about providing the service for people. So at that point, I'd had a few clients and I was uh, volunteering for Step Up Women's organization mm. or Step Up Women's network. And one of the board members was referred to me. She was having a birthday party for herself. She needed a caterer. And so we worked together, and she was so impressed with the food that she sent my contact information to everyone in her
0: contact list. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! It was,
2: oh my god it, it was like it was like the the first big female connecting entrepreneurial sort of emotion where I was like, "Chicks hang together and they want to help each other <laughs> <laughs> like. It was, she didn't have to do that. I mean, it was awesome. And that really catapulted my my business. It totally brought me up to the next level. It got me into a caliber of um, clientele in Chicago that I don't know that I could have gotten into on my own without someone kind of helping open that door. And that's really where I got a lot of my clients. So I started working with some Cubs players. I started working with um, some other families that had some really serious food issues and that all stemmed from there. You know, it's, it's, it was the networking from there. So working mm. with the Cubs players, I worked with their wives also. And then I started working with their trainers. Um, I worked very closely with Jim Karras. It's a personal training studio in Chicago and they're wonderful. And they referred me to a lot of people and it's people who are super, super health focused. So it just, it was like this spider web of networking that kind of happened after that night that I catered for that woman when she sent out, um, the email. It was it was just the kindest thing she could have done. So fast forward a few years, I was connected with a family whose son had some behavioral issues, and they were the mom was really trying to tackle it with therapy and food, and the dad had kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. So when they asked me to come in, they wanted me to basically just focus on the on the little boy and what his food needs were. And when I came into the house, I was like, Oh, there's a bigger, there's a bigger story here. Like we need to work on the whole family. Yeah. So after a few months of myself and plenty of other therapists, um, I started doing some cooking classes with the dad to kind of bring him back into the loop. I started making meals that the whole family could eat together. And very slowly they started eating together again. The parents' relationships started getting back together. And that was really the first client where I was like, Oh my God, food can literally change your life. It's not just like, oh, I need to eat healthy or, oh, I don't know how to cook. It was like, food was literally one of the reasons why they weren't a family anymore. And so Mm -hmm. being able to just bring that back in and see how happy and grateful they were, that, it will never leave me, ever, ever. And to this day, when I see the mom, she's like, every time I look at my little boy or I get his report card, I thank you. I thank all the therapists. It's, I mean, it's such a special you know, heart tugging sort of story and it will, uh, they will never leave me. So that's what really propelled me into working with families that had food issues or food allergies or dietary
0: needs, whatever they may be, because it changes their, their landscape. Mm -hmm. I know that I definitely like, I don't eat a ton of sugar and I, when I do consume, like, especially when I travel and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a very social environment and you're, you know, having that extra glass of wine or, Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my airplane food, woof. Like, <laughs> it was so, I mean, like, I don't even know if I could get my, like, wedding band on my finger because it was so, no. I'm like, it just like the salt and everything. And then my attitude, yeah. like, I just got back on Friday and, like, I knew that I had consumed food that I would not normally have eaten if I would have been home, like- but I was hungry and you're kind of on this plane that they, like, just serve all this. Crap and Mm -hmm. unfortunately, not in first class, never flown first class internationally, but that is on (laughs) my bucket list. But all that to say, like, I'm pretty sure that that sugar and the salt and everything that I ate impacted my mood and my like my patience level Saturday through Sunday. You can ask my fiance or my husband because he's amazing, but he would definitely be like. uh, yeah, that was a different change. That was not you. And I honestly believe like that's how food can impact you.
2: Totally. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's a very, the the mind gut correlation is huge, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm really big in probiotics. Um, but also, I mean, what, what you eat really does affect everything. It's not just weight mentally completely. It can totally change your attitude, I mean, if you look at – there's there's some kids that I've worked with, and they're really clean eaters. And then their parents are like, you should just come by after they get back from a birthday party. And they really are crazy, mm-hmm. completely different children. Um, but, you know, sugar is a whole other topic. We could do a whole other podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so talk to us then too, like – Um, From the business side of it, as you started to grow, what was it like to bring on other individuals or sous chefs, maybe I think that's what they're called, people that worked (laughs) under you so that now Kendra's not going out and doing all of these chefs like in-home things or maybe you still do, but you bring someone to like, what does that look like? And then have you increased your prices over time and what was your thought process around those decisions?
2: Totally. Totally. So I, working at the chopping block was amazing for many reasons, but one of them was because of the connection with people in the industry. You know, when you're a private chef, you don't, you're by yourself. It's not like you're in an office, you know, and you have <laughs> other people that you're, that you're talking to that you, you can help you with projects. Um, you're, it's pretty isolating. So working at the Chapman Block was great because I met all these other people who were kind of in the same position as me. Like, they didn't want to be in a restaurant. They didn't really know what they wanted to do. And they really liked the private chef idea. So first, I just brought people on to help me as sous chefs uh, with catering gigs, you know, whether it was a dinner party or a brunch or, or whatnot. And then gradually, I... I hired a few of them to kind of siphon out to my clients that didn't need as much handholding, you know, that didn't have as many dietary restrictions. Um, So I kind of deal with our top tier clients now who either need the most time or just have the most, you know, allergies or dietary issues. It's much easier for me to, to handle that on a personal basis. Mm -hmm. And then I have uh, three chefs that work for me who manage our client's through me, so all the menus are mine, and all the communication is through me from the client. And they basically prepare the recipes that I write for them. They just execute the recipes for these clients. Mm. That transition though was hard. Letting yeah. go and and you know informing my clients that I, by the way I have someone to cook for you. I can't do it anymore. you know I won't be able to do it anymore. I have other things that are taking my time. Blah blah blah. That's really hard. Um, not. Not because I'm a control freak, but I think because I just I wanted to I always wanted to be there. I always wanted them to think they were getting value because they saw me and I was the one in their kitchen. And while I think some people do appreciate that, um a lot of people also totally understand that this is number one, how a business works. And number two, that you're busy and they're just happy to get the same product, whether it's me or somebody else in the kitchen. Mm. Um and, and at that same time was when prices increased. Because with demand you can increase prices, but that was also not an easy thing. And I have found talking to a lot of other female entrepreneurs that we totally undervalue ourselves. Yeah, we, <laughs> we definitely don't. We don't price ourselves the way we're supposed to. I think it's because naturally we're just nurturers, and we're like, well, we'll just do it for free because it makes them
0: happy. And that, yeah, <laughs> not the way to run a business. <laughs> no, and I like I and I say this knowing that it like coming from the same same sort of thing like I personally just always want to help and yes. say yes yeah. and then it had gotten to a point where then I started resenting the things that I was saying yes to right? And for this say- and then I was slipping on the other things that again like I had made these commitments but I like my natural tendency is to want to do everything and I really had to learn to say thank you but no thanks totally. in a way that it was like – okay even though i'm saying no i still want to be able to be a resource how about you know go here or think of, did you think about this or use this resource or like um instead of meeting for coffee come to this event like i'm going to be there and it's just it's not out of re- it's not out of hurt to anyone it's more out of the respect for the people that are that have invested time money and resources into the things that i'm offering and i want to make sure that i'm giving them the utmost attention
2: totally totally but it's hard it's a, it's a hard line to, to balance, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, but yeah, so that was, that's kind of when I brought people on and I'm, and I'm constantly looking for healthy minded, nutritionally focused chefs who are interested in doing some work like this. You know, the challenge is that with my business, it's not, I don't have full-time positions for people. Mm. so you really have to find somebody who has a flexible enough schedule um but then also who has the knowledge to cook the way that I need them to cook you know it's not just somebody who went to culinary school and knows how to blanch something it's (laughs) (laughs) I I want somebody who knows what collagen is and which variety is the best and what ashwagandha is and all that kind of crazy stuff so
0: yes Mm -hmm. that
2: yes so yeah so that's that's kind of what's brought me up to this, I have an assistant. I hired an assistant about a year ago and that was like the best idea ever. Um, How
0: did your life I, change?
2: You know, she, she, first of all, she's super cool. Like <laughs> she's nice to hang out with, <laughs> which was just an added bonus. Um, but it made my days much less stressful. Like I didn't wake up with stress knowing that I had two back-to-back clients to cook for that mm. I, you know, I'd start at eight and I wouldn't be done till eight. Um so, I mean sometimes I would eat with my families that I cook for because I'd be there so late. Oh. <laughs> I know. And they're wonderful that they offer that. Um, but she the thing I noticed the most is that it allows me to be more creative because mm. it's taken me away from being worried about how many dishes I have to wash. And it brings me back into, well, how can I make that green tahini sauce smoother or better or more interesting? Because she takes care of the other stuff. You know, she helps me cook, but she also, she's my sous chef. So she does all my mise en place and she gets everything chopped that needs to be. And, you know, she makes the smoothies because she's done them a million times and she's great. And again, she's also a pleasure to be with in the kitchen. So um, it makes Mondays and Wednesdays much more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, I could definitely. (laughs) I love the point that you brought out of saying that. Now you can free up that mental space from what you used to spend it on and thinking about like how many plates and washing dishes to now. Yeah. It's, it is so true that when you can free up that stressful stuff and the stuff okay. that zaps energy because we don't get energy from it, then we can really actually reallocate it in doing the things that help make the business – even, even better. When you going back to like when you were talking about pricing and changing mm-hmm. that, or like, how did you like what do you factor in that goes into your, your rates? And the reason why I asked this is because I want the listeners who are listening, obviously, to think about their business or the business that they want to start and making sure they include All like think about all the things that it takes for you to perform your service. Mm -hmm. And I really believe being able to do that can actually help justify why the cost is or why the investment or the number is the reason why it is.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I grew up very middle America, and so I think for a very long time, I severely underpriced myself because I was like, I'm just so pleased that people are paying for me to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, (laughs) I I, I grew up with no one I knew had nannies, let alone a private chef. So I think for me, I had to get past that mental space and realize that people will pay for a product, whether they're buying a pair of shoes that are really well made or they're paying for a private chef who has a ton of nutrition background. So I really had to think about the fact that I'm always, always pouring into cookbooks and magazines and I'm reading nutritional articles and I get daily briefings about, you know, the latest research, the latest ingredients that are beneficial. So it's not I I think that I think when I when I realized that I could charge more and I needed to charge more was when I stopped thinking about just being paid for the specific time I was in their house, mm. you know, because that, that the price where I'm in their home, the price where I'm physically doing the work also needs to include all the other work that I do, whether it's invoicing or going to the farmer's market because they have better produce there. It takes longer, but they have better produce there. Or, you know, researching which is the best collagen to use. That takes time and you should be paid for it. Otherwise, why, you know, cause that, cause that feeds into why you do a good job or why people value what I do because I'm not just saying, Oh, I read about this and I think it's great. Like I really try to dive into it and make sure that it's not just one research article that was on 15 people. Uh Um, (laughs) There needs to be some validity to it. So while I think I probably do still need to massage my pricing a little bit, I feel much more comfortable where I'm at. I feel much better about the price that I charge for my services. And then also, I mean, the, the di- my, my prices differ based on whether you're a weekly client, because that's the way the business is set up. You basically get like a weekly slot, mm. or if it's just one-off catering. You know, the weekly clients are more consistent. It's a, it's a more steady annual income. So that is usually a little bit less than like the one-off catering. So, and, and I yeah. have, a, you know, it's, it's, um, it's more predictable. Exactly. It's exactly. like volume based work. Right. Right. So, so that pricing is a little bit different. And also my nights and weekends are super valuable time and holidays also. So those prices go up. If you want me on a Saturday night and it's in December, you're going to have to pay for
0: it. Heck yeah.
2: Everybody wants me.
0: <laughs> that's why photographers get paid what they get paid because yeah. they're giving up their weekends. Like. It's exactly. so worth what are ways then that you have streamlined your business over the years, and like so for example, if you know what to expect for next week, when do you do that planning how do what's your thought process? how have you implemented hacking per se ways in your in your business so I I really, really try, it
2: doesn't always work, but I try not to respond to my client emails Mm. after like seven o'clock at night. Um, not because I don't want to be responsive, but because I once was talking to somebody and I was like, no, I just need to always be available. That's what they pay for. That's, um, sorry. Apparently I'm very popular. Clients
0: are all over that. (laughs) They're like, um, come make me food, please.
2: Um, uh, oh God! And of course now I'm oh, I, I'm trying to remember where, where sure. I left off. <laughs> oh yes, you me. So I try not to respond to them after seven or eight, not because I don't want to be responsive, but because I don't want them to become accustomed to me always responding at nine o'clock at night. Because mm-hmm. I have a life, and for years I would work any time of the day, any time of the week. Um, because I thought that's what you do. That's what you do when you're busy you're, that's, that's what successful means. That's not what successful means. So if I can get my work done in a certain amount of hours, there's always going to be work always. So whether I say I get my work done by seven o'clock, I'm going to have 75 other emails I could send, but I have to give myself a cutoff unless I have a deadline, of course, but you need to give yourself a cutoff. Cause I just never wanted my clients to think that it would be okay for them to send me 77 emails and expect me to respond to them.
0: Right. It's like training them.
2: Yeah, kind of. And I respect that too. Like, you know, I'll send an email to somebody and I don't necessarily expect to hear from them until the next day if I send it at night because people need lives. So, so that's kind of like the, the emailing portion or the weekly portion. And then I find if I don't, I I try to give myself an office day on Fridays.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I really try to do that even if it's just a couple hours because it helps me wrap up the week and it makes me feel better about spending free time over the weekend. Um, I don't, I, I always feel very guilty when I'm not working. So, mm. so part of this scheduling has, has was to help me not feel guilty. So if I can get some of my invoicing, if I can get menus to my clients and communicate with my chefs on Fridays, even if it's just a little bit, then I feel better about my Saturday and Sunday. And then Sunday as of late, um, I've really been trying to, to savor that day as planning for the week. If I don't have Sunday to plan for the week, like if I'm out of town or if I have an event or if I have a party or something, um, I, Monday mornings are rough, oh. rough, I, oh. Yeah. Can't catch up. So you know, I just set that time aside and, and working on Sunday afternoon doesn't mean I miss my weekend because I, you know, Friday, my office day, maybe I'll go meet a girlfriend for coffee in the morning. Like it's this kind of balancing act. So I might get some more free time during the week on a Friday, but then I have to spend time on Sunday and that's cool. I just have to schedule it and make sure that I'm not just in front of my computer for 14 hours with accomplishing nothing.
0: Right. (laughs) I, there's, um, I used to I used to do that too, like three or four years ago. And there's times where I've still done it before. And then it I made me made me realize that time
2: mm-hmm.
0: is one of these things that we can expand it into almost every single hour of the day if we'd want. Oh, yeah. And and so if we don't hold ourselves accountable first by saying, okay, I'm only working, for example, between eight a.m. and five p.m. Just to make mm-hmm. it easy, and we don't live within those uh, constraints, I guess, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. then we allow ourselves to expand it from nine hours to 10 hours. And so really when we put those parameters on the amount of time that we work and we hold ourselves accountable, I think that actually does a really great thing because then it forces us to say, well, if I'm only allowing myself to work for this finite amount of time, I have to make better decisions with what I do with it. Totally. Order. And so you start like that for me, at least like you start weeding things out or you start looking at it and saying, okay, excuse me, what am I doing that I don't personally need to be doing? And mm-hmm. then what do I outsource? What do I get rid of? What do I say no to? How do I like focus it? So that was like a really big learning lesson for me in terms of, just managing the time much better.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, if if I have like an entire day that I can do stuff in, I get nothing done. Uh (laughs) You know, but if I have an appointment at noon and an appointment at three and I only have from like nine until 1130 to get stuff done, I'm way more efficient. You know, they say, they say if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, there's a reason why they say that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, because then you know that, like you don't expand into all this time because you're like, I have no other time I can get this done. Right. Uh, tell us about one of your biggest so-called failure moments or like a really big moment where you grew. So you made a mistake, but you learned from it and you grew from it.
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I should have known you were going to ask me that question. It's like <sighs> it's a hard question to answer. <laughs> um. I would have to say it's not, okay. It's not one specific instance. It's not like, you know, I burned someone's kitchen down or something. (laughs) Um, but I think it's not setting up my financials in regards to taxes correctly Mm. right away. It took me years to dig out of paying taxes
0: Mm. because I
2: tell us nobody. Well, nobody taught me about that you know, and the way that I started my business, you know, I didn't have to raise capital and set up a business plan. It just kind of organically grew. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have any insight into how it should be running from the back end, the financial end. And, you know, I think my first year I made like, I think I made like $16,000 the first year I had my business. I do not know how I lived. (laughs) Did I eat more than just like, crackers of water. I mean, I think I did, but I remember I got my tax bill that year and I was like, "Oh my god. What I I, I can like barely afford my rent. What how what do I do with this?" Mm-hmm. And it was I mean, it was a couple years of that. No one talked to me about, you know, paying your taxes on a quarterly basis. Nobody right. talked to me about, "Hey, you you going back to what you charge. When you are a contractor, you need to factor in that your 30% of what you get paid. is going to taxes. Mm-hmm. It's not like when you work for a company and you get your paycheck and pretty much all of that's yours. Yeah. You know, so. No, totally. That. You know, I was like, I was like, great. I got a $200 check. No, 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 you didn't. You got like a $140 check. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, I mean, I really just didn't comprehend that for a couple years. And so then once I realized it and had all of this tax stuff I had to deal with, then it took a couple more years to dig out of it. So, you know, luckily I've worked with some really great accountants and I, you know, got set up on QuickBooks, which I was just like doing my invoicing on Excel before then. Um, Once I got some advice about that, it helped because now I'm more organized and now I know kind of what to expect on an annual basis. And it's not just something that I think about on April 13th. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, with two days to get to tax day. It's, um, it's something that, you know, you're more, more concerned about because you've, number one, I've done it before. And number two, I know that I have to plan for it ahead.
0: Yeah. And it's almost just like being able, like, and I love how you said factoring that like 30% into Mm -hmm. your service and realizing that it's not just like Oh, similar. I work on a contract when I do tech, like the tech um, tech demos. And so you think you're like, oh, this is my billable day. And everyone's like, that's like so much. And then you're like, well, um, that's not really what I'm actually (laughs) getting. Let me first deduct, uh, take out for taxes. And then let me take out it for like another couple hundred for monthly expenses, like a phone bill. And like if I do lunches or whatever, and then I'm like, then let me put some in there for just like a savings into the business account. And then effectively this is blank what I'm, I'm bringing home or like paying myself. And similar to you too, like in the beginning when I started doing this, when I was 24, I like was, it was a like learn by trial and error and by fire. And I got done one, the the first year in my account was like, okay, you owe this. And it was a five figure tax bill. And I looked at my (laughs) money and I was like, Wait, but like that literally takes up, and I like. Thankfully, I like had had it, but I'm still like, oh my gosh, wait, where? It was this moment. I'm like, where did it all go? And Mm -hmm. I like was I was so disappointed in myself for like two the the years to follow because I'm like, how did I like? I didn't track it. I never counted it. I didn't understand it, and like. Yeah, once yeah. you figure it out, and then you start using the numbers, and you get in the, ru- the routine to like revisit and then yeah. to plan for that. Which I also do a major plug for Profit First, which a lot of listeners have heard me talk about. That by Mike It's an amazing, amazing book. Huh? I'm gonna have to pick that up. He like goes into different bank accounts. I'm sorry, our music just got really loud. If you guys I was like, are listening right now, music. <laughs> classical music is
2: great, except when it's at 400 decibels.
0: That's so funny. <laughs> I was like, wait, where are we going? To the Twilight Zone? <laughs> <laughs> guys never know what's about to happen on this podcast. You guys are here for raw. People are like, well, do you edit it? And I'm like, yes, I edit. If there are like major drop-offs where you can't hear the other guests like speak, but things like this, I'm like, I think they kind of add to it and kind of chuckle <laughs> a little bit, or at least I do. So anyway. I
2: mean, life people. yeah,
0: real life so but yes, that uh, getting that right and I think finding a system that is a good fit for you like I went through I've done QuickBooks, I've done zero, I've done the GoDaddy one and I finally landed on fresh books that I really enjoy and it's great for nice. like the business but yeah like spending time and investing time like take an hour two hours really figure out which one works for you and your mm-hmm. business too is so important.
2: I think part of my issue also was that I didn't think that anyone knew how to relate to my business. I was like, well, I don't want to ask a business person because they don't know what a culinary thing is like. You know, Mm. it was, I couldn't, I didn't understand how different industries could overlap and how really I needed financial advice, which pretty much anyone can give you. (laughs) I didn't need to find another private chef who had done exactly what I had done and gone the exact same path. Um, I mean, that was, that's another big thing that I've learned too, is that getting advice from people outside of my industry has also been very beneficial. And in the mm. beginning I thought it was literally the opposite. Give us an example of that. So I, um, I'm the consulting chef for enjoy life foods, which is, um, the world's leading allergy friendly food, mm. uh, packaged food company. They actually, they make the best vegan chocolate chips. I'm not just saying that cause I work with them, but they're, they're delicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So they were working with a new uh PR firm and I've done a bunch of filming for them and you know videos and commercials and whatnot. And this new PR firm needed me to give them a bill basically for the upcoming year for the filming we were gonna do. And I was like, What? I don't know how to do that. Like I I I charge based on how many hours it takes me. You know, I usually charge post-production but they needed me to charge pre-production for the whole year. And I, I literally had no idea what to, where to even start. And so I have a girlfriend who is very, very successful in, the, um, in marketing for big pharma. Couldn't be further from what my business is. And I was talking to her about it, and she kind of gave me a – she's like, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to help you with the numbers. You know, She's like – basically the advice she gave me was to extrapolate what an annual salary would be. She's mm. like, what, what salary would you want? She's like, and then break that down to hourly and then figure out, estimate how long it's going to take you. She's like, and then I'm going to help you with the verbiage in the contract to make sure that it's flexible enough that you're not locked specifically into this amount. Oh, and it was, I mean, I would have had no idea, no idea, Amanda, on how to organize that. If it weren't for her input. But it was great because she had done a lot of contract work before and she had done, um, you know, she had had to communicate this way many times. So she knew exactly what to do, even though she was in a completely different industry. Sure. That's awesome <laughs> advice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that was helpful. Well, That, yeah, that's a, that's a great piece of advice too. And I love that you don't just stick to like, okay, people within your industry, but you can branch out from that. How do you find, or like, what are some things that you do to keep like growing as an individual, as a business owner yourself?
2: The business or like my knowledge personally? Um, let's do the business first
0: and then we'll go to the knowledge.
2: Um, so I'm lucky that I've never had to market my business uh, it's all been word of mouth, and I think it's it's because of the group of clients that I work with. Also, because I work so closely with the allergy community, uh, it's a very it's a community that relies on trusted referrals.
0: Mm.
2: So, I've been really lucky that there's nutritionists and dieticians and doctors and families that. Refer me to my clients. Um, also, I mean, because I am the the culinary face of Enjoy Life, that helps. You know, people see me on the videos, and then they connect with me, whether it's social media or email or whatnot. Um, and social media, in addition to you know word of mouth, social media is another big, big, big one for me. Facebook is not necessarily where I get a lot of feedback. Um, Instagram is really big. Twitter's pretty big. Uh, I take over Instagram feeds for a few clients. Um, and that's been really helpful. So really playing into whatever social network is best for your client brand. Mm -hmm. That's been really helpful. And for me, it's Instagram. I mean, Instagram is all, it's so much about food.
0: Yeah. And visual.
2: Yeah. It's been really, really helpful that way. Um, but then again, I mean, sometimes I have to like call my 18 year old niece and ask her for advice on stuff.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, what is this hashtag? Like, how does this work? Why am I doing this? Like, help me with my analytics, please. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but,
2: but, I mean, Instagram is great. It's, I found that I was spending so much time on all the different social media channels. And I was like, I can't, I, I have no more bandwidth. I physically cannot do this anymore. So I really just hone in on, um, on Instagram. But I got more involved in Twitter because there's a lot of, um, uh, like, periodicals rely on Twitter. So if you want to get into writing, if you want to be on TV, if you want to do that kind of stuff, that's oh. where those go to look. So I talked with a woman who has a PR firm, and specifically with media. And I was like, I can't do Twitter anymore. I just can't, like, I don't have the brain space. And she's like, you know what? That's cool. She goes, post twice a month and then put something in your profile, like find me, find me more active on Instagram or find yeah. me on Instagram or see my latest news find me on Instagram she's like give people another channel to find you so then they don't feel like you're just this weird person who doesn't post anything but you're kind of on Twitter but you're not really
0: oh that's a good that's a really good piece of advice too and I love like don't you don't feel like you have to go on all the platforms figure out which ones make sense for you and your business and your product or service and then be able to like redirect people when they do go on something so that you're not like oh this person ghosted (laughs) right right yeah, you know. and I was like, "Oh, I did that for a couple of years, I think." <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. So cool. she's back. So, well, a couple. I have a couple last questions before we yes. wrap up. One is, what is what's been one of your favorite books that you've read? It doesn't. It can be business or it can be whatever you want. Oh gosh, one of my favorite books that I've
2: read. I um okay, non-business related. I really loved The Glass Castle. Okay. <laughs> All right. One of my favorite books is just a personal success. Well, it's a personal journey that luckily ended in success for the author, but it's a true story and it's, uh, it follows the life of a young girl. It's actually being made into a movie right now, mm. but I read it like a decade ago. Um, it's the life of this young girl and her family is totally poor, but they, her parents present their life as an adventure. And then when she's a teenager, she finally realizes that it's not really an adventure. They just have no money. But it's just, it's really interesting oh, yeah. to, to see the perception of, from the parents and then from the daughter. And so that was interesting. Um, and then, oh gosh, most recently, um, I really like, I think just because it's such an amazing story, um, Grant Ackett's, his, uh, biography, I think it's called Life, on the line. Mm. I think that's what it's called. Um, but it's incredible. If you don't know to the listeners, if you don't know who Grant Atkins is, he's one of the best chefs in the world. Um, and he was diagnosed with tongue cancer. Oh, and it was, and, oh yeah. And it was like prognosis. You will die. Like we either need to cut out your tongue or you're going to die. Oh, and I feel
0: like I heard about this.
2: It's such an amazing story. I mean, he basically was like, I would rather die than not be able to taste my food. It ends, up, it ends up happy, everyone. <laughs> totally. No, now I'm he's like trying to rack my brain because I feel like I've heard of that, that really? chef. Yeah. He's, he's from Alinea. Okay. okay, That's
0: Chicago. probably, yeah. yeah. Not that I've ever next, been there. And in the <laughs>
2: um, Yeah. But he, it's just, it's, a, it's an incredible story. It's an incredible story. Um, oh. So from a culinary perspective, there's that. And then most recently, cookbook-wise, I will plug Yodam Odolenghi. His books are beautiful. His food is what mm. you see all over the country right now. He's a British chef, um, and he owns these stores or these these food shops in London called so it's oh. Ottolenghi. So, O T T O L E N G H I, I think. And it's beautiful, clean, uh, Middle Eastern-inspired food.
0: Yum! It's
2: really great spice. It and the photo- they're just beautiful coffee table books. If nothing nothing else, but I love to give them as gifts. If you're a cook. You'll love it. If you're not a cook, you'll love it.
0: Yeah. Indian food is amazing. So mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And his
2: food inspires me all the time. So his sous chef is from Palestine and he's is from Israel. I'm pretty sure he's from Israel. And so their food is just ridiculous.
0: Yum. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. So then the last question I have for you is if you could wave a magic wand, what would be the next thing that you'd outsource? <gasps>
2: oh, <laughs> that's a very good question.
0: Um
2: what would be the next thing I would outsource? I, mm, my menu planning, I think. Mm. (laughs) So I've been like plugging along for fine for a while. Um, like juggling my menu planning and all that. And then most recently I took on a big project, shameless plug for myself. I wrote a cookbook. Yes. Yes. um, Which is out when, or is it out now? uh, it's not out yet. It'll be out probably two to three weeks.
0: Okay. Um, so it'll probably be out by the time this podcast airs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It should be. Okay. am so shameless plug myself. But my point in saying that is it's a, it was a much bigger project than I anticipated. I was like, oh, it's a digital book. It won't take me that long. It'll be fine. It's literally the same amount of work as a regular book.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, you just don't have an agent or a food stylist or <laughs> all these other people to help you. And in that process so many other things became a burden because I was so focused on the book. Like my menu planning became a burden and the shopping became a burden and, uh, you know, thinking about new recipes, which were things my that creative. are typically, Yeah. And that's like, that's the really fun part for me. But if there was somebody like, if I could clone myself, you know, in a perfect world, um, having somebody to do that organizing. Cause it takes me, it takes me a while. I, I put a ton of thought into the, um, the different ingredients and the different dishes and the season, the allergies my clients have, the health restrictions they have. Um, so if I could have someone do that, that would rock. So that's
0: what type of person are you looking for?
2: Um, I mean, I need someone who's very conscious of not trends necessarily, but new Finds in the health world mm. whether it's using adaptogen powders like reishi powder or ashwagandha or um, moringa powder, things like that, that are really simple little ways to totally amp up the nutritional quality mm-hmm. um, and the holistic property of foods. Um, somebody who knows how to cook really, really, really well. Um, and somebody who is super passionate about creative menus for, uh, for families,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, so
2: I mean, half the time I feed my family stuff that I eat myself at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, I came across your, when I was on your website the other day, the blueberry oat snack bars. Oh, (laughs) I'm totally making those tonight for game night. So I'll have to snap a photo and let you know how
2: they go. Yeah, totally. Though, by the it. way, Miss Traveler, those are really great to bring on a plane with you. Ooh, okay. That's actually why I made them the first time I was in Europe with my boyfriend. He's, he's European. We were at his mom's house in Germany and, um, I never know what's going to be safe for us to eat on the plane. He has a peanut allergy and I can't eat gluten and I mm. really need to avoid dairy. And we had blueberries and oats and bananas. And I was like, here we go to make something with
0: this <laughs> I know well I was like at first when I, I was like hesitant to even click on it because I'm like oh there might be sugar but then I was like no she wouldn't do that so oh. then I clicked on it and I was like oh wow okay so this mm-hmm. is really easy like so I will report back <laughs>
2: oh,
0: very happy to yeah. hear this <laughs> no that's amazing well Kendra this has been the fantastic chat of ours thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wealth of knowledge and telling us about your journey as a as an entrepreneur and all that good stuff. You guys, why don't you just tell our listeners um, exactly where they can find you?
2: Yeah. So thanks for having me, Amanda. You're always mm-hmm. fun to chat with. Um, so Drizzle Kitchen is the name of my business you can find me uh, drizzlekitchen.com. and then everywhere social media world it's Drizzle Kitchen um, and then the book will be a downloadable file on my website in the next couple weeks although by the time this is out it should be up yes. it's called Drizzle Kitchen Favorites Happy Foods for Everybody and Every Allergy
0: okay well I'm, I'm on board I'm going to buy that so
1: awesome <laughs> yay thank you thank you Thanks for tuning in to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Did you like this episode? Head on over to iTunes.com to leave us a rating and a review. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out sheeted Her Way podcast.com where you can subscribe to our email list so you can receive the inside scoop on our latest episode released each Monday. Now, do us a favor and go make it a great week.